0: Hi Chris, how are you? Good evening, Rod. Yeah, I'm well. I'm very well. And here we are on the 25th of September, episode 87. And it's just getting a little bit cold outside.
1: It is. Another couple of days, I'm going to be able to take my dog the whole length of Swansea Beach. It's a a big day when you come at the 1st of October. They get restricted to a tiny little part of it. 1st of October, you get the whole beach.
0: Oh, okay. Like seasonal. Okay, that makes sense. So, okay. That's a milestone for you. So you've got five, six days to go. I don't know how many days are in September. Neither do I. It doesn't
1: really, it makes no sense actually, because the bit the dogs are allowed on are where all the people are. And you'd think, surely you want to let the dogs go for runners that don't pick up poo, go to the bits where the people aren't. But they don't do it that way. It makes no sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's probably one of those things that's been there since the
1: dawn of time, I guess. Probably. Should we do some follow up? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So I wanted to talk about fine woven cases. We had a little segment on the show last week. I'd had mine. I didn't. wasn't terribly impressed. I thought it was very thin and I thought it was going to mark. And since we've had that little piece, there's been two articles come out. One in The Verge about the, the new fine woven cases are very bad, which is worth a read. And then a far more detailed one, which dropped today, actually, from iFixit, where they go into what are they made of? What do they look like under a microscope? They look pretty cool under a microscope, actually crucially for iFixit what they also do is what happens if i touch it with coffee on my fingers what happens if i drop oil on it what happens if i put hot sauce on it and basically they think they'll be quite tough but they're going to pick up stains like nothing
0: yeah i was sorry i was just scrolling through the article as you're talking they do look all right and obviously they've kept the same look and feel like it looks like an apple case you know it's got that sharpness to it i think it looks quite cool but all the reviews have been shocking about it i think it's like they universally hate it. Now, I don't know if that's just because everybody's jumping on board, but they just don't, they just haven't learned about it. You don't really want it to pick up stains and look horrible and disgusting. Uh, I think everybody should go caseless. I think that's 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 the win, just saying.
1: Yeah, that's fair play. I did send you a video at the weekend of Jerry Everything, and I can't remember if we're talking about it in the main part of the show, but it may be if you've got an iPhone Pro Max 15, you might not want to try and bend it.
0: I have seen that too so and if you well we I I think we've got it in the news here they're just general problems with with some of the materials used fingerprints it's just a bit of an iffy phone this year but is this just a lot of storm in a teacup and actually these phones will be just fine because do you remember that I think it was the iPhone 6 or was it the 6s when it came out there there was the gate where people said it's so thin you can bend it in your pocket. It never really came to anything. So I wonder if we've got a bit of that of the sides can discolour
1: because you've your
0: fingerprints. You could crack the back. These cases are rubbish. But as shit, a month from now, will it all blow over?
1: I guess we'll see. I mean, Ben Gate was definitely a thing. When they released the updated models, they'd strengthened the side rails, hadn't they? So and I guess I mean we may or may not get to it, but in the Jerry Rig Everything video, he's bending it at both ends with his thumb hard up against the middle of it, and it actually snaps at the point of his thumb. And I snaps the wrong word; it shatters the glass at the point of his thumb. It doesn't happen on the smaller phone. We're going to talk about the smaller phone in a minute, but on the on the big phone, it might be an issue. So I would not go Casey-less on this particular model.
0: Small small phone for the win, though.
1: Yeah hmm maybe did you watch the battery test that mr who's the boss did also on youtube no again another link if you remind me i'll put in the show notes but he's really good at battery testing new phones and he has i think he goes the iphone 13 pro max which was the battery king it was the one that had the longest one which i'm very happy to say was the phone i've had nothing had beaten that in the iphone 14 range and the new battery king spoiler and jump to the end is the iphone 15 pro your phone the phone you've got perform worse than the iPhone 14 Pro. Oh, so I've got the worst phone. You haven't got the worst phone. The standard iPhone 14 is the worst phone. But the iPhone 14 Pro is worse than last year's iPhone 14 Pro.
0: Brilliant. Well, that's really good news, isn't it? I was hoping by getting a new phone, I'd be getting some sweet, sweet better batteries. Everything gets more efficient over time. I don't think the always-on display helps, I must confess. Okay, interesting. Shall we? So we've got cases the fine woven case isn't great lots of people complaining about it you've got one have you sent it back
1: no i haven't sent it back i'm I'm caught in a quandary where i don't want to go caseless with this phone particularly after what the, the video i saw so if my phone is dispatched and my other phone i've ordered a kadabi case clear case uh, as well isn't here i'm not taking the chance so i might have to just eat the cost i think
0: oh okay fair enough fair enough and then I guess, yeah, when you see how this all blows over, is this really a thing in day-to-day life? Because all the games do mark and scuff and discolour over time, but it'll be interesting to see where we end up. And like the clear ones, yellow and, and
1: all of that. My, my, my concern is that moisture in phones is a really common thing. And what they're saying is keep moisture off this fine woven case. Now, I've been caught in the rain on my phone. We all have. Fun. Most people have, yeah. I'm out with the dog quite a lot. I've got my phone in a case. It was just going to immediately fall apart the second it gets wet, which the leather ones didn't, but weren't great in the wet either. But this is a real problem, I think, if it's true.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to need to see it. So are we still talking about this in at the end of October? That's, that, that will be the, the litmus test, I think. I agree. So whilst we're talking a new phone, should we talk about my new phone?
1: And tell us all about your new phone.
0: So I ordered, and I did have an hour a lot about it, I ordered the white in inverted uh, commas, iPhone 15 Pro, 256 gig. So pretty much a direct replacement for the iPhone 14 Pro I had because I also had that in white and it was 256. It's come. I was having and iron about it. Would I keep it? I'm keeping it. I love it. It's a lot of money if you had the 14, I think, because the camera system is better, but most of the betterment comes from the software, not from the hardware. But it's fantastic. If you're honest... These are the iPhone If you're on anything before the iPhone 14, probably definitely worth the upgrade. Lots of new features. So, what do I like about it? I love the weight. I love that they've just rounded off the edges. It just feels so much better in hand, a lot easier to hold. I haven't got very hands, so it's perfect. The performance, I had no problems with the performance on my last phone. Whatever they're doing, all seems fine. Uh, In terms, it should help with heat dissipation. I think it is better. It's not great. It still gets very hot when you're charging it or when you're using uh, carplay very good the side button love this instant for me i think it's fantastic i've just got it set to load the camera up you have to just hold it for for a smidge and then it loads and then when you're in the camera you can then push it again to take a photo that's exactly what i want i've taken the camera icon out my dock really really well done so i think the hardware is a big win
1: so you're the camera in your dock so the four icons along the bottom when you unlock the phone you're the camera there i did have yeah why don't you just launch it from the lock screen?
0: Because sometimes I'll be using the phone, like picking a podcast if I'm on my walk, and go, oh, I just take a photo and I just launch the app. I just wanted to be able to get to the camera everywhere because I take quite a few
1: photos. Sure, I just lock my phone and tap the camera icon on the, on the lock screen now.
0: Yeah, maybe. But anyway, for me... Sorted, I've solved the problem. That's what I'm going to use the button for. I might look at doing a shortcut. So maybe if I'm at home on the Wi-Fi, I don't really use my camera much at home. And maybe I want the button to do something different. But um, I think the button's great. I think the whole the whole hardware is really good. And we often say this. I think the hardware is fantastic. When I first got the the device, so I had my two phones next to each other. Before I could do anything on the new iPhone, it had to install an update. So it, it forced that on. I've done that. I then transferred my phone number, so I'm on the eSIM. That just moved over, didn't have to do anything, it was fantastic. I then put both phones in my pocket, went out to lunch. I was out at lunch. The phones transferred all the data for me and it was all done. I think the transfer process is fantastic. Whatever they've done, I thought it was very good. I just did phone to phone transfer. It took about 45 minutes an hour, which was weird. I couldn't use my phone in that time. But actually, once it was all done, nearly everything worked. A couple of apps you obviously had to sign back into, but nothing major.
1: So I'm going to jump in there. I think you were lucky cuz you got the update in first. There was a horrible bug that some users were experiencing where they were starting the uh, update, sorry, the transfer process from their old to new phone before they installed the update and they were getting stuck on a black screen of death on the phone. It's a well it was a recognized bug and Apple had to put out a statement about it. Link in the show notes to the article. So some people got really badly caught by this and the only way to get it out of this was to put the phone in a DFU mode, which is not what you want with a brand new phone.
0: Wow, I'm glad I didn't have that. And I mean, I, I remember years ago, I'd have be running a beta on my old phone, a new phone that's running the release version, and I'd have to update the phone. And you, In the old days, you couldn't do it in the setup screens. You had to literally set the phone as a dummy, force upgrade the beta, and then wipe it and, and go again. So I did the upgrade just to make sure it was all smooth. So no, actually super smooth. I thought the whole process was, was really good. I even transferred my phone number, which is the first time I've had to move an eSIM. I just thought, really well done. So on the whole, the experience went really well. The iPhone 15 Pro isn't crazily different from the 14, but on the whole, really enjoying it. I love the feel of it, and I think that's why I couldn't go back. So this morning, I have to trade in my old iPhone. and They sent me a box, so the box came this morning. So it came about two days later, the box to recycle the old iPhone in. Literally just a box inside a bag. open opened it up, popped the, wiped my phone first, popped the phone, sealed it back up. But as I was popping it in and wiping it, I thought, actually, it does feel feel a bit older, a bit, bit squarer around the edges uh, I'm pleased I've done it but it's a little bit frivolous of an upgrade for me I think, I think for you the upgrade will be really good
1: because you're jumping two phones Yeah I, I hope that's actually the case, I mean mine's not scheduled to come from the 2nd to the, or to the 9th of October or something like that so I've got a little bit more time cooling off I was wondering what would happen with the upgrade, actually, just because, sorry, the, the, the trade the phone in part of it, because it says it will come at some point after, you know, our, our supplier will be in touch. So that was a thing. Did you have to put a cable in the box as well, or was it literally just the phone? No,
0: I just chucked the phone straight in the box. I kind of wish that when they ship him in my iPhone, I could just put my old iPhone in the box that came with my new iPhone. It's, it feels a bit less wasteful. That would be my preference. I know some people probably want to keep the boxes, but... I'm not overly fussed because I chop my phones around quite a bit. Uh, So, yeah, a bit disappointed with the waste there. I mean, all the cardboard that came was um, all recyclable and everything. But it just feels like another shipment point that you could have avoided. Um, But no, very smooth process. Because obviously, one great thing is, you know, if I'd have found a friend that wanted to buy my old phone off me, they could have bought it and I could have just cancelled the trading. So I do think that's quite nice. Um, I personally don't want to sell my phone to anybody, though, because it's got a bit of a chip on it. I I wouldn't be comfortable saying it to a friend, so I'm quite happy to chop it in.
1: No, I think that's fair enough. I normally pass mine down through the family, but I think I've said before, none of my family are interested in having such a big phone. So I've kind of reached the end of the line of me of me passing them down. I did give my iPhone 11 Pro Max to my father, who's delighted with it. The bigger screen suits him particularly well, otherwise he wouldn't bother. He'd have something fairly basic, I think. So that's worked quite well. But again, I think there's going to be enough devices left in the family that I can leave him with something else down the line a little bit.
0: Yeah, actually, my father-in-law has got my 12 Pro Max because it's got the bigger screen. Same sort of reason as your father likes the bigger screen. I'm quite happy I didn't go for the bigger screen this time. I did wonder whether I'd regret it, but actually... I i'm sold on this i'm a very happy camper
1: no fair enough it sounds like it's gone really well uh, i'm quite excited to get mine i got to say the f- reviews of the phones have been very positive marcus brownley did a very good one as well uh, as as would be expected picking up on a couple of these points that we've said as well about discolorations if you're holding it to the, the titanium the jerry everything video which i've now included in the show notes sorry if there was a little flash of audio there that was mr who's the boss link going in as well uh, which is worth a watch if you're interested in the batteries the titanium flakes off very easily so if you're going to drop your phone in your caseless uh, situation and actually let's go let's get this right as well that putting a case on a phone isn't a guarantee you're not going to have little scrapes and scratches anyway because if something gets into the case then it can sort of abrade the, the frame of the phone anyway yeah it's it's quite a light coating from the looks of things it doesn't take very much scratching or anything to actually get that off the glass on the back though and the glass on the cameras look incredible
0: yeah, no, oh, the the build quad looks fantastic. And actually, uh, my immediate house members haven't twigged I've bought a new phone yet, so um, I'm waiting to see until they pick up on it. Interestingly, though, my my brother at the weekend, he instantly noticed it because he, he has the iPhone 14 Pro and he picked it up and he's like, oh, it feels different in my hand, even though it looks the same. And then looked at the bottom and clocked the uh, USB-C port. So, yeah, interestingly, nobody's noticed it, which was part of the reason I, I kept the same colour because actually I didn't really want to draw attention that I bought
1: a new phone. Yep. Fair enough. So maybe a bit of news from me, because as, as I recall, last time I upgraded a phone, the process didn't go very well. So I did see some one of the journalists from The Verge talking about doing their upgrade and realizing halfway through, he decided to do the download from iCloud that he could actually have plugged a USB-C hub into the bottom of his phone and transferred with the Ethernet and made his whole process an awful lot faster, which was smart, I think.
0: I am thinking next year, USB-C to USB-C, USB-3 speeds, cable, probably the one out of this monitor that I'm talking to you on because I know that's my fastest cable and it'll probably be more or less instantaneous, I'd have thought. So yeah, next time around, I think it'll be a different world. I don't think I've got the right adapters for Lightning and USB-C.
1: No, and let's face it, you couldn't do this from a 14 to a 15 because Lightning's only USB 2, or even an iPhone 15 to an iPhone 15 Pro because it's still on the USB 2 speeds that had come out of the iPhone 15. So somebody upgrading from a non-Pro to a Pro next year ain't going to have any speed boost by doing that.
0: Yeah, fair point. I'd forgotten
1: about that. Yeah. Uh, so that was the trading process, and you're happy with your phone, and we'll report back as we go, particularly on the cases and things too. Yeah, I'll see how I get uh, on
0: case free <laughs> if it scuffs easily.
1: For me, I've had a couple of little issues with Sonoma. It's on the release candidate. It's not the final one yet, or at least the final one hasn't been released. I think it's... Is it today, possibly? It was going to come out?
0: Yeah, tomorrow. So Tuesday the 26th, For everybody. So you can update your Macs tomorrow.
1: Although I have had a few issues with the Windows server, so I don't want to be completely blaming sonoma for this because it could be my weird amethyst windows tiling manager which i've had to disable because it's happened a couple of times that's causing the windows server to crash once after i'd rebooted the computer because it was being non-responsive and then i would it wouldn't log in and immediately it told me the windows server had crash and everything became laggy so that's not good it's not a very deep level app amethyst so i don't think it should be having that sort of impact on the on the windows server so it's crashing me twice, like I say. There's some weirdness around wallpapers. Like you've got a bunch of these sort of live effects when you go to Sonoma. So if you lock the computer and then you wake it up again, if you've got an Apple TV Plus, you'll be familiar with these kinds of things. The screensavers sort of move gradually as you go forward. When you unlock the computer, it sort of keeps moving a little bit. You sort of have that sort of motion left over from the lock screen, and the windows sort of fade back in. So it's a really nice effect. But you have an option within your um, screensavers and background to shuffle through all of the various options, cityscapes, landscapes, animals, things like that that are available, and it wasn't doing it. And in fact, on a multi-monitor setup, it would change two of the monitors just to be black, empty backgrounds. So there's some weirdness going on. Like I say, it might be Amethyst, but I'm just watching Sonoma slightly carefully at the moment for its window management
0: yeah that's interesting if memory serves they added most of that quite late in the beta cycle so i haven't really used it. i've just got one of my wallpapers on that because i like taking photos as i said so i haven't tried that yet but i will keep an eye on it do so just a little bit of reporting
1: other thing you had homework last week to try cod mobile on your ipad did you do that i completely forgot i apologize there you go so it goes back in the homework for next week then do, do remind me i'm sorry I will. And as I said, I've put in the two links uh, for people that are interested in Mr. Who's the Boss' excellent review of batteries. He does it in about 15 minutes. I feel sorry for him having to sit for 14 or 15 hours watching all these batteries slowly go down just for the purposes of content, but he does a really good job. And it's nice to have a good British YouTuber as well, actually. He does a really cl- cracking job of these kinds of things. He's almost at Marquez levels, I'd say. And the Jerry Graver thing on the, on the destruction of, of the iPhone, which always make me Sad but happy at the same time. Sad that I'm sitting here waiting for my phones to be delivered and somebody's smashing them apart and taking them to bits before I can get one. But at the same time, I appreciate knowing where the weaknesses are.
0: You do like the content. I watched that video and I thought, I can't believe this is a brand new iPhone that's cost a £1,000. And there they are, just you know, dismantling it. I guess it's good they do it, like you say, but it just it seemed like a lot of money to spend. But I guess they get back in that back in the advertising.
1: They do, and hopefully they recycle it too. Fair point, fair point.
0: Uh, the other thing I was just going to mention, hopefully when Sonoma comes out, that's probably going to open the tide gates now for the next round of betas because uh, they were talking on the Connected podcast that apparently there's more stage manager improvements coming for the iPad, so I'm curious to know what that means. Perhaps coming in in the next few iterations, so I'm uh, curious to see what we might get there. So I'd imagine tomorrow will be macOS day, and then hopefully the next day, Wednesday, will be the next round of betas or lo- longer because this is probably the longest we've gone without apple actually having any betas on the iphone it's, it's a strange time
1: yeah i would quite like them to sort of focus on some of the features in iphone particularly that we don't get in countries that aren't the u.s like the live transcription of voicemail and things like that i have that hasn't worked for me i don't know if it's worked for you you have with your e on a more reputable network than than my mvno is that a thing for you
0: no it's not because even before they did live voicemail they already offered voicemail transcription You in America, where you have your voicemails in the phone app, you would get the text of the voicemail, but that never worked for me in the UK. So I think that is all a US thing and we have to wait. But like you, I'd like to see parity of, of features.
1: Not good. Any other follow-up? No, I don't think so. Cool. Let's fire on and do some news. So one story that I, I immediately leapt to my attention this morning is and it's sort of related to what we've been talking about here with the upgrades to iOS 17 and the new phones, is that some users are reporting uh, that iOS 17 is resetting all their privacy settings. That would be a major faux pas for Apple if it's certainly a widespread problem.
0: Yeah, for somebody that hangs is... How on how privacy-focused they are and respecting your privacy. So yeah, interesting that this may be a bug then.
1: Yeah, I mean, it includes things like potentially showing your location and stuff too. So this could be a pretty serious uh, vulnerability. Yeah, not great. So if you have upgraded and you're not sure, fire into your settings, privacy and security, your location services, system services, and make sure that the, re- the relevant things are checked for you. You're making me go to look now, aren't you? I can't look now because I'm using my phone to record myself, but I'm I'm presuming mine are okay. Well, if, if the irony of it had been the whole beta that these things hadn't been uh, set up for me if, for us, that would have been a problem, really. I suspect it's just something in the release candidate, but to, sorry, the, the the final version of, of iOS 17. But worth checking anyway. So that was our first story, and I think it's an important public safety announcement, and we'll follow up on it if it has it does be okay. It happens to be a thing. I'm sure we'll get another software update pretty rapidly if it is. Moving on, we had a little story last week in the games section about the games developer or the games engine developer Unity who were moving the goalposts and trying to get um, their developers to pay a fee every time the software was installed somewhere. Uh, They formally issued an apology, uh, as reported by the Register, on the 22nd of September, um, walking back their controversial plan to to charge developers a fee based on the number of game downloads installed. They're trying to go back. They haven't gone all the way back. But they have said Unity Personal, Unity Plus, those that have made 200,000 US dollars or more in the last 12 months and have 200,000 game installs. So that's what it's going to change to. And Unity Pro and Enterprise, those that have made 1 million US dollars or more in the last 12 months and at least 1 million lifetime game installs. So it's going to be about 20 cents per install for these people if they're going to continue to use Unity, which obviously is still going to upset people. And there was a vast number of very upset people who were looking at other alternative gaming platforms. So interesting.
0: Yeah, at least they're doing something, though. I mean, They're doing something, they're listening, they're trying to tweak it. So that's got to be good.
1: Yeah, so the Unity personal plan will remain free. So you're a little independent software developer. But if I built games on this engine, I'd feel burned that they're going to move the goalposts again and I'd be off looking for something else.
0: Yeah, that is the problem, isn't its Are they going to change it or do they need to announce that we won't touch this for the next two years as a minimum? You know, to set, set some expectation.
1: Yeah, I would have said so. Good. Uh, moving on, and we already touched on this in in our follow-up section, that holding your iPhone 15 Pro without a case may temporarily change its colour. So this still isn't influencing you to put a case on your phone.
0: Non-event on the white iPhone, I will, or silver iPhone, I don't know what they call it these days, but no, it all looks fine. It looks beautiful.
1: Yeah, Mark Hazard's video with the blue iPhone 15 Pro, there was a definite impact to his fingers being on it.
0: Yeah, that just reminds me of when the MacBook Air m2 came out the midnight one which i think the titanium is very similar it's just a fingerprint magnet so i can see that but no i'm very comfortable with mine
1: yeah there's a good little there's two pictures inside the linked article from 9 to Five mac with the blue one and the dark gray one and somebody's oily fingerprints are sort of cluttering up the around the buttons the action button and the volume up down yeah interesting but you know you expect fingerprints on a phone what is quite cool, just referencing the Jerry Rig uh, Everything video again, is he has a rod of the titanium that the iPhones are made of, and he takes a burner and applies it to the rod, and the bluing effect you get when you heat titanium is a beautiful color.
0: Should we not all microwave our phones,
1: there? Yeah, don't, let's not do that. Good. Okay, uh, moving on. I included a link to some tips and tricks uh, for the new redesigned iMessage for those that aren't used to it and haven't gone through the beta. Apparently, I've heard there's quite a lot of people now being unable to send pictures, put in their memes and GIFs, their photos, their location, their Apple cache, because they haven't worked out how it's changed from where it was a list of icons at the bottom for what you wanted to do, to press and hold the plus button to the left of the message to get this pop-up. Of how else you can do things, so I think a little bit more information out there about how to use that could potentially be useful on Apple's behalf. Well.
0: Yeah, this is not an intuitive button. So to the left of the text box, you now have a plus. You tap it once, and it brings up a menu. You push and hold, and it takes you straight into Photos. Um, I think this is quite good, but it does the design doesn't really fit with iOS. I don't know if it's somewhere we're heading to because it's quite an unusual menu. But once you get used to it, it's quite good. But I was uh, texting some friends of mine in a chat and I was trying to use stickers. Then it dawned on me I couldn't use stickers because one of them hadn't updated their phone. I couldn't use stickers to put them anywhere. I think you need iOS 17 for that. Oh, okay. Anyway, I got him to upgrade his phone anyway. But again, it's not obvious how you apply effects to the stickers. It's hidden behind a menu, dragging and dropping. Because a few of the guys on the chat were like, how did you do that? And it's unlike me to be up with, you know, text messaging functionality. And I was like, oh, you do this and this. And it's quite hard then to explain where you need to push and hold and you can grab the object and cut it out of the photo and you can make it a sticker. And then if you push and hold it, you can make it cartoon-like. And it was quite challenging to try and communicate to others how how it works. So I think there's some really clever functionality and it's great how they've done it all, but it's not that intuitive to use, which is a bit disappointing.
1: Yeah, which is one of the reasons I included this article really, for people who aren't aware of what's going on. It's interesting that talk about stickers. Stickers are now two generations old, possibly three generations old, I think, you know, in the iPhone that you could you could do stickers. Last year they gave you the ability to scan a picture and take the background out of it. So that was an additional sticker you could do on top of that. But stickers have been with us for a while. And they added editing text in text messages last time, and I don't see a lot of people editing text. I think I'm the only person I know of that actually edits text, and you do it occasionally.
0: Uh, you and my brother seem to do it. My brother has picked up on it. Um, so what was new this year on stickers? I thought there was something new with stickers this year.
1: The animations are new this year, uh, uh, so okay. you can animate them. Uh, I think you can do pets now as well. And there is something else. The emoji, you can pull them out of the emoji picker and dump them in as stickers too. So that's the new features. Uh,
0: maybe that's the emoji thing I'm getting
1: conflated with. And I think you can do tap backs on stickers now too, which you couldn't do before. Or certainly, or that's coming in a release down the line. I haven't tried that. Oh, okay,
0: but I think loads of cool functionality, not that intuitive, which is a shame because Apple used to be famed for how intuitive their devices were to use.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know about the long press and hold on the plus button to go straight into the photos picker. I've been tapping the thing and then missing it occasionally. But long press and hold to open the photos picker—that's good.
0: Yeah, it's good. That came in one of the in the mid beta run. I think it wasn't there on day one, but came later.
1: Yeah. So if you've upgraded, have a quick look through this article. You might learn a couple of things about how to do it. Actually, speaking of things I've learned, the buried in the settings menu somewhere, you can almost bring back haptic touch to the iPhone. No, I don't know if you've seen this one. So haptic touch was if you saw something and it might have an alter like a right click menu alternative on the desktop. So some um, icons you'd press and hold on them for long enough, you'd get like a sort of force force feedback thing on the before the XR. I think the iPhone XR was the one that took it away iPhone X certainly had it. You'd press and hold on it, you'd get haptic touch, you'd get a little sort of vibration feature, and then you'd get the alternative menu. So Instagram, for example, you could launch the camera straight away to take a picture from the icon without having to open the app. Still exists in iOS, but you just need to press and hold it for a certain period of time. Anyway, buried in the settings somewhere, there's the option to have... Fast response to these long press messages, and it almost feels like you've got haptic touch back. You don't need to wait for that huge amount of time for it to trigger the menu. So, if I remember, or you remind me, I'll put in the show notes how to do that as well. Uh, but that's a, that's a real quality of life improvement.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Now, I, now you've mentioned it. I think I did see it, like on nine to five Mac or something. I apologise, but I hadn't actually
1: had a proper look at it. Moving on uh, a little, word about three D printing. So, I follow Merlin Mann, who has been in Mac. Pundit sphere for many, many years now. I first came across him on the MacBreak Weekly, which was leo Laporte's show back in the oh God early two thousands, I guess two thousand three, two thousand four, uh, when they started doing it. He's quite a, he's a funny guy, um but he's become obsessed with trying to three D print models of G- John Syracuse from a photograph. So if you follow him on Mastodon, all you're seeing at the moment is pictures of John Syracuse's head that he's r- r- dying in various ways and trying to make it look, you know, funny. Anyway. This article caught my eye for the fact that potentially we could use coffee grounds, so your coffee machine, to actually become the right kind of material to put into your 3D printer to print things. And I just think that's a fantastic use of a biodegradable technology, really. If you want to 3D print your own little plant pot, you can.
0: Uh, I completely agree. I think that it's a good use of it. I put them on the garden myself, but that's my form of recycling. But it's great. I mean, if 3D printers can use them, that's got to be good. We uh, consume a lot of coffee on, on this planet, so um, it can't be a bad thing.
1: End game of 3D printing I find fascinating anyway. like The current plans or ability to 3D print mint meat substitutes is just amazing. That You can 3D print through a, a lab-grown material. You know, something that looks and tastes like a steak out of a three D printer is an amazing thing.
0: That's just messed with my mind. But yes, agreed, it
1: is amazing. You haven't, heard, you haven't seen that, no. I've
0: heard. I think I have heard about it, but it's just, it just feels insane to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, we we shouldn't be killing cows and things like that. I, I am not a vegetarian. We shouldn't do. It. There's lots of reasons, you know, good ethical reasons for not doing things we do. Apple have obviously taken this on with fine woven and removing leather and things like that. But, it, what, the way we live, we all know, is not sustainable, really. So, looking at these alternative things is definitely worth checking out. I think. So, the sort of few articles and things that I've read about three D printed chicken and three D printed meat. Obviously, we don't know the long term effects of growing lab growing these things. There's a lot of science there is still to be done. But I just think it's a fascinating, almost science fiction level technology. You know, we're into Star Trek replicators, really, at the point where you've got you know a vat of something that you've cooked up next door, and you can three D print a steak or you know a nice lasagna or something like that for you rather than having to go off and slaughter some animals. So I, I, just it fascinates me.
0: Yeah, no, I can understand that. Whilst you were talking, actually, I just went off to check the website of Apple because you mentioned they're not doing leather. I thought they were still doing leather card wallets for the back of your iPhone, but I did just check. They're not doing leather. It's fine woven again. So they are really
1: leaning heavy into fine woven, but the internet is not. What I find interesting is that you can't buy the fine woven Apple Watch straps yet. And that might be telling. Yeah, I think you might be right.
0: We shall see. Next up then, Toshiba.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of want to pour one out for Toshiba. So I have very fond memories of very good Toshiba televisions, particularly flat panels and things like that, and plasma screens back in the day. They made reasonable computers. They had hard drives, I think, at one point. I think that you know the, the, they sold them onto Mac Store. But they were a very good, very efficient, Japanese electronics manufacturer almost taking it to Sony a lot of the time and they've just uh, managed to delist themselves from the stock market which makes me think they're going private again and makes me think they're really struggling.
0: Yeah I think they are going private. Now Toshiba were massive. My, I remember my wife's first laptop was a Toshiba one it was quite a good bit of kit she had it all throughout university when we'd have met you. We've had plenty of Toshiba equipment over the time they did I think they did do hard drives at one point and they've done lots of things and it yeah it's just a bit sad isn't it I guess a big electronics brand and they used to do good tvs as you say i remember having a few of their flat screens so a bit disappointed but then i guess they have faded a little bit especially here in the uk you don't see them they're not in in the high street shops as much you're definitely going to the shop and seeing lg panasonic sony you're not seeing toshiba so much so it is a shame
1: yeah apparently they make trains as well who knew i think it was one of
0: those companies it was really it was really spread out on what they were doing. It would amaze you actually if you knew everything that they got up to.
1: I always found it fascinating the sort of bigger Japanese countries, what companies, what they did. I mean, if you think about something like Kawasaki, which I had a couple of Kawasaki motorbikes, you'd look at the frame of the motorbike and the and the, the the VIN stamp would say Kawasaki Heavy Industries, and Kawasaki also made ships. As well as motorcycles, so like huge container ships, and then down to little motorcycles and things, and then Yamaha has another one who made pianos and tubas and things like that, and then made very high-end performance motorcycles. How do these, th- how do the streams cross on that? I don't understand. Yeah, I always
0: found Yamaha amazing because you used to buy Yamaha speakers and things, and like, how are they making motorcycles and speakers? It was just a very strange company.
1: I do think they've got the coolest logo of any vehicle manufacturer, though. Uh, is it tuning forks? It's cross-tuning forks, yeah. It is cool. It's very cool. Good company. Good motorbikes. Moving on, we do like a little chat about OpenAI from time to time, and unsurprisingly, this feels like the other shoe dropping to me. A bunch of authors are suing OpenAI for where they got some of the content for for OpenAI and others, and it's John Grisham and it's George R.R. Martin, both of which have written a fair few novels that are quite popular, so, you know... I'm not entirely surprised, really, that these bigger authors will have had their works fed into the machine, potentially to, to build the, the large language models. So does this surprise you? No, not at all. I mean,
0: uh, I've, I've read quite a few John Grisham books. He is very active in that space. So he's got a lot of content. So I'm not surprised at all. Surely it was only a matter of time.
1: Yeah. OpenAI have said that creative professionals around the world use ChatGPT as part of their creative process. We respect the rights of writers and authors and believe they should benefit from AI technology. We're having productive conversations with many creators around the world, including the Authors Guild, and have been working cooperatively to understand and discuss their concerns about AI. That's just
0: holding text, isn't it?
1: I would have said so. I suspect they're probably quite worried about you know, how do they prove what they used or didn't use when they were building this model? Yeah, what have they fed it? That would be interesting yeah. to know. It will be interesting. Anyway, it's it's good to keep an eye on the development of LL, LLMs. Uh, we talked about them enough, you know, a few months ago. So uh, let's see what happens next. And I think today is the day Microsoft have released Copilot to the general public as well. Uh,
0: I think I did actually. I will touch on it now, just so you may raised it. Microsoft had an event. And nobody noticed Just just thought I'd point that out I think they've updated Some of their hardware And they do do some Quite good hardware But it was just interesting They had an event And nothing's really happened Like there's not, not Been much reporting on it In mainstream media It's quite interesting
1: yeah, I did. I read some of the tech press about it. I think there's a new Surface Go, which is their small, meant to be their smaller, cheaper laptop. But I think it's crept up to about 750 quid, and it's slow with quite a low resolution screen. And why anybody would buy that is beyond me in this day and age.
0: It was. I had seen quite a few people with it. It was quite big, sort of for corporate salespeople. But agreed, not a fantastic device. Um, but yeah, just, just I wasn't lost on me that they've had an event and nobody really
1: noticed. Nobody cares. I was in uh, London. I was in Regent Street uh, at the weekend. I came out at the tube station opposite the Microsoft store. There were about four people in there.
0: Did you walk down the road to the Apple store?
1: It's shut. Is it? Why is it shut? I think they're doing a major refurbishment on it. I looked when I was in London, just on the off chance, that could I pick up an iPhone Pro Max while I was there? I did the little search of 12 Apple stores nearest me. I was staying in King's Cross. I tried every model from the Pro to the Pro Max in every colour at every storage and not one was available.
0: Wow, okay. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm amazed that the Regent Street store is shut though because I thought they'd done that one quite recently and it looked right to me.
1: Nope, nothing there. I think they're trying to push you towards Apple Battersea at the moment.
0: That's a long way away though.
1: It's not exactly handy, is it?
0: No, and there is one in Covent Garden which is massive.
1: Yeah, Moving on, this is another article from, from the Register about Kavium chips. So this was a security researcher as part of his PhD, Dr. Jacob Applebaum, who worked on a number of sort of fairly low-level chip and, and security infrastructures, worked on the Tor Project once upon a time as well. And he thinks he's found that there may be a particular KVM, now being bought by Marvel, uh, chip that might have backdoor uh, information for the, the American uh, security services. I I treat these kinds of stories with a pinch of salt. There was a an article uh, several years ago that a lot of server manufacturers had put in some chip from the Chinese security services, so that they could have access to servers and transmission of traffic on there. Uh, of particular concern to me was these Marvel chips are inside of my Unify uh, networking equipment that's pervasive in my house. But, you know, if it's in that level of enterprise hardware, it's probably everywhere, let's face it. And there's not a lot you can do when you're buying a consumer level router or even a professional level router if it had something like this on it. I am doubtful um, that these things would actually make it through production. You're not gonna be able to sneak this kind of thing into a production line. Can you imagine being caught having these in your hardware if you're working for Apple, for example, and they've installed a bunch of Unify stuff on their on the things, and then corporate secrets are being resolved within that, state secrets are being resolved within that. I, I I'm never sure about articles like this, but I put them in for interest, really.
0: It, it is interesting. It's quite a long timeline on this because this takes back to the Snowden documents leaked in 2013, so that's 10 years. The, the company, at Question, got bought by Marvel in 2018. So it's quite a long time on it. Um, what is interesting, do you remember, whoa, I'm going to say pre-pandemic, I think Bloomberg an article saying that some chips were being put on motherboards for this exact same reason and they had evidence and all of that and then they never followed it up because it was quite a, <laughs> a thing on Daring Fireball for a while. But uh, it feels maybe this could be the same as that. But there does seem to be a bit of smoke around this theme of backdoors in in hardware being being installed but i don't think we've ever actually seen anything tangible to prove the point yet
1: yeah i mean i think it's probably easier to get by somebody inside of a company or inside of a network that's going to be able to pass on that kind of information for you than installing hardware at the router level and then having to to do that i think it's quite a low-tech thing brute force your way into it that way rather than trying to do this but like I say, I find the stories fascinating. It's, it's almost like tinfoil hat for, for IT and security professionals, this kind of stuff. But it does make for interesting uh, conversation.
0: Humans are the weakest link.
1: Always. There's a new iPad mini
0: rumor? Uh, there isn't one yet, but there is a rumor there might be a new iPad mini getting ready to grace its way onto Apple stores near us. So I'm quite interested in this because I, th- I had an iPad mini 6. I loved it. She sold it to a friend of mine. He loves it. I think this is such a cool device. It's kind of what I want the fold-out iPhone to be. But I'm um, super interested to see if they do it because the last one was fantastic. I think really just the screen let it down. It had a very poor screen on it. But the everything else was pretty good about it. If they could sort the screen out, I think this would be an awesome device.
1: It's not a cheap device, is it? Uh, nothing's
0: cheap i think it would get slightly cheaper if they refreshed it because we saw it with the iphones and a few other and the watch they actually got a little bit cheaper this time because of the dollar rate so i think in here in the uk they would come down a little bit it's not a cheap device but it was an awesome device so
1: i'm curious to see if they do anything with it Hmm. it's running on the m1 now as well is it
0: no not the ipad mini the ipad mini is on the a variant but the air runs on the m1 and the Pro runs on the M2. So you've got some good segregation there. There's talk of the M2 filtering down to the air as well, and you'd assume the Pro would go on to the M3 maybe next year when they refresh it.
1: So no stage manager for you if you're on an iPad Mini?
0: I don't think you'd want it on the iPad Mini. It's not that kind of iPad, but I think it's found its niche. It's a great device, and it is that iPad, but but not a bigger device. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I'm curious to see what they do with it.
1: Fair enough. We've already said macOS Sonoma is out tomorrow, not today. Sorry, so I should have either. moved that link further up. That's my mistake. I've also, okay.
0: also put a link into MKBHD's review of the Apple Watch, or both of them. Again, a bit like his iPhone videos. It's quite interesting this year, I think. Key theme with iOS, macOS, phones, and watches are, Apple have just very casually iterated on everything. I don't think there's anything major this year. The watch is, again, only really worth upgrading. If you haven't upgraded in the last few years, it's so quite interesting there. But it puts good video and I love MKBHD's videos, so I would recommend the watch.
1: It does good things. I am surprised they didn't put the Apple Watch Ultra 2 in another color, I must say.
0: Surely that was low-hanging fruit just to do something to differentiate it because it's not really a 2, is it?
1: The colors are bad this year. Across the, across the range, the colors are bad this year.
0: Yes, the colors are bad this year. Okay. Very
1: pastel. Um, but no,
0: but they kind of are bad. Um, it's so frustrating that, like I say, it's just the whole year just seems nothing. Like they've got nothing in any one of their divisions that shows where they, what they've been working on, if that makes sense. And like I say, it's just the pandemic piece was it's the Vision OS piece that we talked about last week.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, you can use an app to find your Apple TV remote?
0: Yeah, I haven't really picked up on this. It came out in the release candidate of iOS. But when you go into control center on your iPhone. Sorry, I was just looking while we were talking. You push on the TV remote. You can then go in the drop down, and you see your Apple TV and to the right of your TV, there's now a find button to find the remote. I just thought it was kind of cool and it's retrospectively applied to all, all of my Apple TVs. So I just thought it was quite a nice thing. You could use it to find the remote if you wanted to. So PSA, I guess.
1: That's very cool. I also learned something about TVOS 17 that I didn't know was a thing that I'm gonna share with you now and it might surprise you too you're able to install VPN apps on iOS 17 now I think you mean TVOS 17 I mean I mean TVOS 17 so if you take an Apple TV Plus with you when you're travelling and you want to be able to connect to say the UK to watch iPlayer while you're in the United States you can do that now
0: yeah it, it seems quite cool and I'm assuming they had most of the tech anyway so they've just ported it back to be fair I think TVOS got the most updates this year out of everything they've done a lot on it just to tidy up the interface I love it
1: yep no argument I think that's it for the news. I think that is it for the news. Should
0: we do a little bit of media? A little bit of media. We're going to start with Russell Brand, which feels a bit icky.
1: It does feel a bit icky. Uh, We've already used that as a a podcast title, so I'm not going to use that again. I'm going to skip over the trial by media that we touched on last week and just think about some of the tech angles here, really. So I've linked to two articles in the show notes, one from Reuters and one from The Verge. Some of this makes me quite uncomfortable, I must say. As I say, the man has been accused of, you know, various unspeakable acts that he's been accused of, whether the, you know, as we talked about last week, it's not really for a company or a person to decide whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing, or, you know, whether he's being accused unfairly or whether he actually did it. It's up to a court of law to decide that. But these two articles make me slightly uncomfortable in the sense that YouTube, is continuing to host Russell Brand's videos, but has demonetized them. So that means there will be no ad- ad- advertising revenue to Russell Brand for people that watch the videos on YouTube. So I don't know enough about how YouTube's business model works. Do they take money for advertising from, I don't know, pick somebody at random, Lenore or you know some big company like that, and inject those adverts into 200,000, 300,000, 5 million streams, and they've already got the money and they just say they're gonna do it, Or do they pay per stream? Dylan go? I want to appear in Russell Brand or somebody like that's videos and they serve them into that and then Russell Brand gets a cut of that content. I don't know how it works. So if nobody is making money out of that, so Google have got the advertising money and they're not just serving them in his videos, that might be okay because they haven't taken them off the platform. Whereas if they have taken the money and now they don't need to serve the adverts, then that's really quite nasty, isn't it? So that's my first thought. And I'll pause there and let you say something about that.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about it. I, and for listeners, Lenore is a um, detergent company here in the UK that makes conditioner and things. Um, I was just thinking about what you said, though. A few things going through my mind. I don't really know how it works. I'm assuming somebody like Lenore turn up and go, right, I want to pay for Category A material. You know, the really famous people, maybe it's celebrities or your MK, PhDs, or I want Category B, C. I don't know how they banned it. And like you say, are they just buying have many slots or advert impressions i have no idea how their how their advertising model works i must confess i mean i don't watch a lot of youtube so probably not a great person to comment i just go to the odd link i don't even have a google profile so i literally log in watch a couple of i don't even log in i go to the site i watch a video and then i come away again
1: blows my mind i'm i'm i watched i consume an awful lot of youtube but it's it's a thought isn't it about the way they do it and by the way lenore not a sponsor and by the way i'm not saying lenore would sponsor russell brand's content it was just a a random thing that came into my head as I was talking about it. So that's one side of this. And then the other side of this is that Russell Brand has continued to be supported by a platform called Rumble, which I think is a a subscription model where people can log in and get his videos. In fact, it's where he's released some of his statements. Rumble is a Canadian company and the UK government have written to them asking them to delist Russell Brand from that. And I don't think that's right at all. I was gonna say this is a
0: tricky one as well, back to the the YouTube one too, because you're not innocent until you're proven guilty. Now there is a lot of noise around this individual and sure this is gonna to go to court at some point, I would imagine. But what happens if for whatever reason it turns out it is a big conspiracy and maybe all these people got paid to do it to to, you know, say say he had caused offence. And actually it turns out it's a complete hoax. Then, how does that work for Russell Brand? Could he not then go back and and claim damages and all that against YouTube? Because it's really tricky. But I also get why YouTube do it because they don't be really seen to be associated with somebody in the news that has done unspeakable things. So it's a really tough one to call, isn't
1: it? It is. I mean, again, innocent until proven guilty. You know, if if there are presumably not if there is base to the people that are accusing him of having done the things that he's done. Absolutely, they should have their time in court and, you know, accusations should come and there should be the appropriate penalties for that having taken place. With, you know, whatever you know, awful things that happened appropriately recompense as much as is possible within UK law. But I got issues with our Houses of Parliament writing to a company in another country and asking them to delist someone on an accusation, as you've said. Where, where do we get off on doing that? You know, It it boggles my mind slightly that the the accusation, true or not, is enough to trigger all this to somebody's livelihood. So it it seems that different rules apply for celebrity, as we saw with Kevin Spacey and as we saw with some of the Radio 2 DJs I alluded to last time. You Philip Schofield being another example of this. You immediately get delisted by whatever the platform is that you're on, and and your name is mud, and you are guilty until proven innocent, it seems.
0: Yeah, it's a you, you are guilty until proven is innocent, I think. I mean, this one's really hard, I think, because there is so much noise about it and there's more coming out every day, as it was with Kevin Spacey and
1: others. Uh,
0: oh, I don't know.
1: And again, you know, if, if there's any truth in the allegations against him, then he needs to, you know, the fullest extent of the law needs to be applied to him. I'm not, I'm not sticking up for Russell Brand in any way, and I don't think either of us are. It's just, it seems the process around this just seems quite counterintuitive and, and, and difficult yeah and it is that disassociation piece isn't it? you
0: see all the time if a sports person uh, behaves inappropriately that you know nike or adidas will distance themselves immediately just based upon the news let alone upon the actual results of any finding. so i can see why they've done it like why youtube have done it but it's interesting that government are get involved i would have thought the government had got enough things to sort out right now rather than one individual would be my, my view
1: but it's. I often think with our government and other governments, oh look over here. So you're not looking at the things we're doing. But you know that's maybe my political leanings.
0: Yeah, no, I can understand that, especially at the moment.
1: Yes. Moving on, I think we've probably said enough about that. We'll stick to the technical side of it, of you know people being delisted and, and advertising and things like that. But it is an interesting, it is interesting repercussions to something like this. Never mind the you know the awful things that have been do- may have been done or and. You know, it's just worth covering from that point of view, I think moving on Amazon prime video are going to pay. You have to pay another extra $3 a month or they're going to start serving ads as well. Really? Come on now. I, I don't have a lot to say about this. I watch, I think two shows on Amazon. I watch wheel of time and I'm trying to think of the other one. Reacher are the two shows. I'm, I'm bothered about in Amazon prime. I could let the rest go quite happily.
0: I don't watch a huge amount on prime. I must confess, but every now and again, There'll be some a film I haven't seen in five, five years or something and it just pops up and I go and have a little look at it. So uh, I'm not surprised, but I do I pay Channel 4 £40 a year, I think, not to have adverts and I, that is the best £40 I've ever spent. It's great for Taskmaster, it's great for, for The Bake Off coming up and a few other shows. And for me, that is worth the price of entry, but I can't afford to do that on every streaming service. And actually, I don't even have Netflix. I possibly wouldn't have Prime if it wasn't for the delivery side, which we do use a huge amount.
1: Yeah, I think Prime's on a sticky wicket here, really. There is apparently a rise in, in streaming piracy again. Sites like the Pirate Bay and others have, have taken off again as a consequence of all these increases from Netflix and Disney and now Amazon as well. And these companies are on a fine edge between continuing to make the money they do from these things and what people, the alternatives that people will turn to. i got to say, for people that do pirate this material, big tech-savvy companies are more likely able to get the stuff delisted than the old-fashioned media you know, giants of before. They're far more savvy to this stuff than, than what preceded them.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm not surprised torrenting of files, you know, attaining content illegally has come back because the costs are just going up and up and up. I think we had a sweet spot a few years ago where there was just a couple of streaming services. You paid Netflix and probably Prime, and now we've gone the other way and we've got too many, and actually the cost of streaming is more than what having cable would have been 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I agree. Anyway, let's talk about some fun shows instead. Women in the Walls, the finale was last night on BBC One watched it all i forget what they call it there's a word for watching things on tv now that's not streaming let's just say i watched it live as it it came along watched it live it was good i thoroughly enjoyed it you know i think they ended it in a in a not bad way i don't think there'll be a season two nobody dies but I don't think there will be a season two. Yeah, quite a quality, well-done drama series. Not as violent as you might have thought from the trailer for anybody who's a bit sort of touchy about these things, but they do raise some issues about, you know, church and state and and, and things like that that are worth watching, I think. And surprisingly funny in places too. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I started watching episode one, but I, just, I don't know, it just didn't stick for me. I can't explain it, but maybe I should have given it a bit longer, um, which I was a bit disappointed because I wanted something to get into, but um, for me, it didn't stick. Um, I've seen the last scene of it though because I went to put the news on last night and it showed the last scene scene of it as as I tuned in live to watch the news. So I know the very ending and I've seen the very
1: start and that's about it. Uh, It's not in the show notes but I did quickly want to talk about the Rugby World Cup as well uh, because that's been on the last few weeks and uh, Wales were playing Australia last night and Wales smashed Australia last night so that was a bit of a diversion in my attention as to where things were going women in the walls were starting the rugby world cup was on and I was trying to follow the 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 Wales game as well so well done Wales sorry the Wallabies
0: yeah I was aware of this I work with a few friends who support Wales and they were very
1: chuffed with the result it was an excellent score and previous England coach Eddie Jones looked very sad and I felt not sad from it all (laughs) understood
0: I'm, happy, where, I'm back. happy Wales has gone through, by the way. Sorry, I be, apologies. I'm very happy they've
1: gone through. Yeah. Well I, maybe England will make it too after, but uh, I'm not hundred percent convinced the way they're playing. Anyway, let's go we're not a sports podcast, so we'll move on. Taskmaster's back.
0: Yeah, Taskmaster's back. We've been watching it in my house, but the, the bleeped version's not out yet, so I treated the boys to the unbleeped version and it's very good. And they know not to say the words, but it's so good. I love love that show.
1: It actually wasn't particularly sweary either, I didn't think this week.
0: No, it's fine. It's a shame that all these streaming services can't just do AI bleeped versions just so that, you know, you can put the family for anyone on if you want to. Like, surely we could do this with all this tech we have these days.
1: It was fairly good, clean fun anyway. The good bunch of comedians. I thought the tasks were very good. I particularly liked the very large duck. I thought that was a great task.
0: That was a good task. No, it was fantastic. Love it. The show just doesn't really the format has I don't think the format has really changed since they first did it they came up with this concept they've done it every I think every season since in the same way it's fantastic the only thing that that we noticed in our house because we've just watched one that's filmed in the pandemic era was aren't they all sat very close together in the studio because we were used to them being really spaced out in the studio and so that
1: was a bit like oh a
0: bit jarring if I'm honest but no it's fantastic I thank you can't thank you enough for getting me into it
1: it's a terrific show. And another great show we're going to have a quick word about here is Race Across the World, which is back on BBC.
0: Love it. What a good show. I was gutted it was delayed last week, but I understood why. Um, again, another family favourite in our house. Um, I sat down with my kids to watch it. I had a great time. Had the fire going, sat down, put put that on. It was fantastic.
1: You've offended my Scottish sensibilities there. You can't light fires or put on central heat until October.
0: I'm not touching central heating, but we've got a wood burner and it is amazing to sit down and have family cuddles on the sofa and watch a quality telly.
1: It is quality telly. I'll, I'll just, I'll ignore everything else you said and I'll, I'll say that. So this is a celebrity edition of it. Not the best known celebrity, some of them I must say. Uh, the one I knew most of was Alex Beresford, who is the weatherman that had issues with Piers Morgan uh, a few months ago. He's, he sort of became famous from that, from, well he was famous yeah. before that, but notorious for that on, on ITV. I was really impressed though with the sports car driver with a disability. I thought that is an amazing task to take on. Billy Munger. Yeah.
0: I, I know a little bit about him because he used to be a pundit on the Formula One Channel 4 coverage. So I've seen a little bit of him. I think he's quite good. He's quite well thought out. You know, for somebody that lost their legs at 17, oh, that's brutal, isn't
1: it? It is. But him and his sister, I thought, fair, you know, fair play. I've learned a Welsh phrase I'm going to deploy here. What a take that he you know they both did really well there
0: yeah no i I thought it was great i really enjoyed it and what i like about it is again they haven't really changed the format it's just race across the world let's get on with it so um, i thought it was really good Uh, i love it
1: yeah my youngest daughter we're sitting watching together and she said i can't be bothered dad it's just the same thing and then 20 minutes i'm invested i have to know what happens next and i just think it's a great format for a show and it works really well
0: it's so well done and john hannah who does the the voiceover he's fantastic as well I, I just love that show
1: yeah and speaking of shows that i think we both mutually love as well it's it's great for great, good british tv at the moment isn't it is um the great british bake-off is back
0: tomorrow back this week yeah back. is it tomorrow or the day after i think it's tomorrow so looking forward tomorrow. to that in my house again another family show i didn't see much of it last year because i did a lot of traveling to london when it was on I'm um, hoping not to do much of that this year, so I'm really looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great time. they run up to Christmas. We've got some really good family-friendly shows which will see us through, so I'm very happy.
1: Yeah, and another new presenter this year, we're getting Alison Hammond instead of Matt Lucas, and I, I'm sure she'll be excellent. Yeah, no, I think it'll be good. Can't wait. Anything else on media? No, I think we're there. We're there. Moving on to games, and I include this just for completeness sake more than anything else because we followed the twists and turns of this is that Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal gets preliminary approval from the UK regulator. So the changes we spoke about with, I think, the streaming side of it going to Ubisoft, we talked about about a month ago, I think, before the big Apple events, is obviously good enough for the CMA, and they're going to wave this deal through, it looks like. So hooray, all those people on hold in Activision Blizzard, they can now cheerfully go on to Microsoft.
0: Yeah, no, that is good, yeah. It must be horrible being sat in limbo. So um, I think it's good. It's it's all moving forward. So yeah, I still find it weird that the UK gets such a say in these things, but um, that's just me.
1: I'm not sure we will for very much longer. Also from Microsoft this week, because you know, you've got to have more than one Microsoft story, is there was a massive glut of documents put online, uh, of leaked information from Microsoft. Included within the documents were upcoming games, uh, upcoming consoles, changes to the Xbox Series S and Series X. So some fairly serious corporate secrets, basically. And the court has decided that Microsoft leaked them themselves. It wasn't a third party. They did it to themselves.
0: Wow, that's not a good look, is it?
1: It's really not a good look. And it was pretty detailed documentation. There was emails in there. There was all sorts of stuff. So yeah, they, they provided the court with a secure cloud link to the trial exhibits. It's all been put out there. You can get at it. And if you want to see what the next potential version of the Microsoft Series X is, i got to say, it wasn't very exciting. A couple new Bethesda games.
0: That's not great, is it? Um, What are they going to call it though? Because their naming convention has been horrific. So Xbox Series X, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, Series XX, you know, then they can get to the Series XXX next time oh it's horrible
0: isn't it i just yeah i think they've done a great job in that space and they're really the only challenge obviously for
1: sony but their naming convention's horrendous yeah it's not great anyway last story from the gaming side of it and again this is scratching my own itch as much as anything else, but there is a little bit of relevance to, to, to you here in, as we talk about it. So I'm a big fan of the Battlefield series of games or the main competitor to the COD games. I've talked about them at length here, even though I was encouraging you to play COD at the top of the podcast. A studio called Criterion are moving all almost all of the developers to the next version of the Battlefield games. You'll know Criterion from Burnout Paradise, which was one of your favorite games back in the day. So there's some talented devs at Criterion. They went on to make Need for Speed and others. Uh, they helped with the multiplayer battle royale version of the last version of Call of Duty. Sorry, Battlefield Five, the World War Two one. So I'm quite excited about this. I think we've got a good chance of the next Battlefield game actually being a really good one.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be good for Battlefield, and I'm not a big Need for Speed fan. I used to love the Need for Speed, the first one that came out. Well, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago, but I'm not a big fan of them. But my son does enjoy those games, so I'm a bit. Disappointed, and you can see where Burnout Paradise and Need for Speed definitely is a big crossover there in how they play, and that. So, um, I don't think those games have been fantastic, but they are great for the younger generation, I think, more so than myself. But it's a bit disappointing for me, I think.
1: Well, there's cars, and Battlefield, and tanks, and things like that. So, you could race around in one of them if you like. Are they going to get really arcadey, though? That would be a problem, wouldn't it? They're, the cars and tanks are easy to drive. The helicopters and planes are impossible to fly, though. Oh, okay. Certainly beyond my abilities, and I used to like a flight simulator.
0: Yeah, I'm probably no good at any of these.
1: we got shoot as well, so that's a whole, whole other world, too. I just don't do online gaming, though, do I, to be fair? We need to fix that. We do need to fix that. Moving on, and just a little gaming blast from the past for me, really. I was aware that I was going to be spending three hours to London and three hours back, For once, I was determined not to do any work on the train. I had a couple of papers to review, but I point-blank refused to do it. I was taking a couple of days off to go and enjoy a gig with my daughter. So I put XCOM 2, which I'd forgotten I'd bought for the iPad, actually, back in the day. And it is terrific. My iPad Pro, which is not the most up-to-date one, it's the M1, which the battery's okay on, but I nailed the battery in three hours. I got off the train with 5% left. I started playing when I sat down in Swansea. Three hours later, I had 5% left of my battery playing XCOM 2 what a terrific game It was just as good as the desktop one if you like a little bit of turn-based strategy in your life i thoroughly recommend getting it
0: yeah i think i even have got this somewhere have they kept up to date and does it still run and everything's okay
1: yeah it's all good i mean it's it's a proper computer level game you know we were talking last week about having console level games on the phone this was this more or less the same xcom that you get on on steam uh, for your mac or your pc it's almost functionally there there's They've cha- they've lightened the story up, but the mechanics are exactly the same as the full game.
0: Oh, okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's really well done. I thoroughly recommend people have a go of it, and I've I've played a couple of campaigns. It's been good.
0: Cool. I've played very little, so I apologise fun. I just haven't had time this week. Just hasn't lent itself. I've read a lot of books, but I haven't had time to to play games i think i've swapped my priorities for this week yeah i kind of have weeks like that some weeks when i read loads some weeks when i don't i play loads of games so this was a reading week maybe next week will be a
1: gaming week fair enough Downtime's important yep i agreed shall shall we do a short and hopefully useful main show yeah i think so so you had a question for me earlier in the day and we've cleared the main show just to talk about that so ask me again
0: so my question earlier today via text was Shall I carry on with one password or should I move to Apple passwords? And I call it Apple passwords because I didn't know what to call it because on iOS and Mac OS and now in the iCloud widget for Windows, you can now sync your passwords. And I was just debating, should I do this? It's not a cost reason I get one password for free because we use it in where I work and everybody can have a free license for home use, which I think is a nice, nice idea. But it was just more actually. I've recently been simplifying my phone and my iPad by having less apps on them, less distractions. And I was just like, should I move all my passwords into Apple Password and out of One Password? Um, I don't share One Password with my wife. I just have mine in there. I've slowly been gathering up passwords for other members of my households. Um, just when I fix their computers, I make a note their passwords in there. Um, so I don't need to share it with my wife. Um, she does use Apple passwords. I'm encouraging my son to use Apple passwords now he's got a phone. I installed the Windows widget for him as well, so he could try that on his PC. But now they do the Windows widget, I was like, I don't I don't use Windows a lot, but obviously I did have a gaming PC, so my need for that's gone now. I've got my Steam Deck. Do I, do I need to use 1Password? I don't know what 1Password gives me above Apple passwords. I do wish Apple would stick it in its own app, though. I th- think having it buried in settings is a bit away but i wonder whether the integration would be a bit better because i have to keep authenticating my face to put a password in i've never used apple passwords so i need to see what that's like so that, that, that's kind of where i'm at of why i'm looking at it it's more just will it make my life any simpler if i use it or are there any major feature deficits that i would miss
1: yeah i mean there's quite a lot there isn't there and first off We've said this before. Use a password manager. Use something that generates strong passwords. Use something that supports passcodes. That was going to be one of my first questions. Does Apple Passwords support the new passcode things for Nintendo and things like that? Yes, I believe Um, it does.
0: I haven't used any passcodes. All my passwords are strong passwords. I've gone through... Last Christmas, actually, I went through and made sure all of them were rated fantastic in 1Password because I I changed my email address. So as I updated that, I updated all my security. And 1Password also stores my two-factor codes and things. So I use all that, which obviously meant moving iPhones was a piece of cake because it was all in that app. Um, You didn't have to reset anything up. Uh, Yeah, so I think what Apple passwords is largely there. But I don't know what it's missing. And I guess it's that feature parity piece that I'm just need to get my head around
1: yeah and i i think for somebody who's entirely in the apple apple ecosystem once upon a time it would have been a no-brainer with all the support built in so you've got your iphone you've got the thing you've got with you all the time or your watch you can unlock passwords the integration with safari is excellent you know when they added two-factor authentication and these other things then it completely makes sense if you've got iphone ipad uh, mac tv OS, all the rest of it one thing fantastic would have been a problem if you were cross-platform with Windows, but as you say, there's now a widget for Windows that now works with that, so that's okay. Presumably, there isn't something similar for Linux, so if you're trying to do all three platforms, unless it's a cloud-based thing, you're a bit stuck if you're trying to use this in Linux. So I know that's not a consideration for you, but I know you were talking about one of your sons having Raspberry Pi, that might have meant Linux, that might have meant... In some cases, you might not have access to that, but that's very much an edge case, I think. Well, I guess what I'm, where I'm going is it gives you almost everything that you want from that point of view so i completely understand your urge to go well i'll just be integrated i trust apple these things will get one and do it does that sum it up
0: yeah pretty much and will the safari integration be a bit slicker because i have to keep authenticating to go into one password or it doesn't always trigger and then i go and get the password and copy it over so i just wondered would it be a bit of a nicer experience and i
1: I think I'd encourage you to try it and come back to me. I mean, I do occasionally have this thought myself, but then here's my one overriding thing that stops me and actually occasionally makes me think about 1Password too. If Apple decide to take a dislike to you for some reason, which does happen to people sometimes, and they bar your iCloud ID, you are utterly knackered because all your passwords are in there. You've authenticated with your YubiKey. It's all under the domain of one company. And at that point, you're really in trouble. Uh, Having 1Password as well spreads the risk slightly in that, let's face it, 1Password are unlikely to bar you as a user as long as you keep paying the monthly fee, for the, the annual fee for them. Whereas we do know well-known Apple users that have lost access to their account, they have a phone stolen, try and log in there 10 or 15 times, things go wrong, they get hacked, and then everything is gone. Not only everything that's on your iCloud and everything, but actually your passwords. And Imagine trying to get back into, I don't know, your, your email or something without your two factor authentic here. So it's an unlikely scenario. It's probably a 0.1% scenario. But it's not an impossible scenario. We hear about it having to Apple and Google all the time. So that would be my point of hesitation, really, with putting all your eggs in one basket.
0: Yeah, and that's largely where my thinking got to earlier was what happens happens if there is a problem with my Apple account? Am I then locked out of everything? Which would probably include my email, because I use Apple for my email. It'd be all my text messages. I just, yeah, I don't even know what I would do at this point. So I don't know, if I'm honest, I was more just looking for the e- peace and ease of use than than anything. It does also raise the question, you know, should should we be printing off, you know, major passwords and things and putting them in a fire safe just as a as a as a form of backup? I
1: don't know. I I mean that you are encouraged to do that when you create two factor codes, as you are meant to print out the, the additional ten codes that they give you, put them, but. You know, hand on heart, I put them in a secure my own file storage rather than on, on anything else. So I've at least got access to them, and that is the third option that I'm going to present here. Is that if you one password or a corporate entity? Brian Reynolds is sharing them. You know that, are, that we see with the changes in macOS with the drive to Linux and Windows and to more enterprise level security as you use in your in your enterprise that. The individual user isn't their priority anymore. And at some point, they'll probably get a bit fed up of all of us individual users trying to manage these things. Or they'll be responsible for a breach of some sort, or 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 as we saw with LastPass and other companies like that. So really what we should be doing is not trusting Apple, not trusting Google, not trusting 1Password, but maintaining our own things. Now, that's a slightly geeky response, and I don't do it myself, but I occasionally have thoughts in this direction. There are password servers and services like bitwarden and others that can be self-hosted on your own network and your own where you have complete control over it and yes it's your responsibility to back it up and maintain it and all that kind of stuff as well And yes it won't be as seamless as what you're talking about with with apple passwords or or the integration with with one password as i'm familiar with and again right at the top you're better storing your passwords with apple or in one password than writing them down on a sheet of paper or using password one two three for all your passwords absolutely use one of these services is not what i'm saying i'm just saying if you wanted to be actually properly secure and be sure that you're never going to be barred from using your services that's the end game isn't it you host it yourself it's on your own thing you got your two factor you got your yubi key you are master of your own destiny from that point of view you're still in EO, one of these scenarios you're entirely beholden to apple and in another you're still slightly beholden to one password which again i have no problems with i'm a very happy one password subscriber but I think following the argument to its logical conclusion, that's kind of where you want to be if you're really, really concerned about that.
0: Yeah, so I guess I'm not overly concerned about it, but it is a factor. Um, and by the way, I'm very happy with 1Password, I must confess. I think the apps are pretty good. Um, they work, they're all right. I just wonder whether it would be better system-level integration. Um, and certainly restoring my iPhone over the weekend was, was a non-event for 1Password. So I would be in a bad place, obviously, if I couldn't get into it. I just don't know. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, do you know what? Maybe what I should do is, I don't know, move over my 25 top used passwords because most of them will be the same, like getting into email, my iCloud account, etc. Put those all in Apple passwords and give it a go and try and dog food it because I can leave everything behind in one password. I don't have to move it. I can copy it. And actually maybe there is a benefit in having it stored in both. There's also a risk having it stored in both. So it's a tricky one, isn't it? So Maybe, maybe I'll try the two.
1: It is. And that was my thought at the beginning is if you can do, if you can replicate some of those two-factor authenticator codes and, and all the rest of it and try it and see how it goes. And I'd say, don't just try it on your iPad. Make sure you use it on your Mac. Make sure you use it on your phone, you know, Try it on a Windows computer when you're there as well for some of those passwords to make sure that the two-factor things work, that it all sort of integrates properly. Because the situation you described a minute ago where one password isn't 100% right because you've got to go over here and you've got to launch a thing and all the rest of it is going to be doubly so on Windows because you're not going to get that integration, I presume, with Apple passwords and Edge or whatever it is that you choose to use in Windows. It's going to be a copy-paste job, isn't it? So I know that's a rare case for you, but it's not an never happen case so I think you you kind of need to hit all those scenarios to see that you are you will be able to live in that environment rather than and I'm not saying this is a whim I'm saying I understand your cleanliness you've got you've got a real need to declutter you don't want devices hanging around you don't want pointless things hanging around I I get where you're coming from but I just want I think you should try it but make sure you've tried all the aspects of it
0: yeah Matt, I think you're right so maybe that's the answer is try apple passwords but leave everything behind in 1Password and, and see where we get.
1: Yeah, and you're, you're secure enough. You've got a key, you've got a hardware device to attach to it as well. So I, I think you're safe enough sort of spreading the load a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah it,
0: so for my Apple account, I need a key to add it onto a new device and I need a key to open 1Password on a new device too. So I've got that hardware step in there for both accounts. So I feel quite comfortable with it.
1: Fair enough, report back. For me, I'm going to stick with 1Password for the moment. I like the fact that I've got it every environment I go into, be it my Linux desktop or my Windows gaming machine or Macs, iPads, you know, my phone and all the rest of it. When I get a new device, it's that code that I, that I need to get up and running again, and then it is seamless. And it does, for me, integrate extremely well with Firefox. I'm very happy with it. It's not flawless, but Safari wasn't flawless either when I, when I use it for remembering some of my save passwords. It sometimes gets it wrong. What Some of the things I don't like about the Apple Password Manager are things like more control over what it suggested passwords are, because occasionally it will suggest things that are too complex for particular websites that won't accept more than 13 characters and won't let you do this, that, and the other thing. And it's very easy to tailor that in one password for, don't give me any numbers in this, don't give me any ab- um, abbreviations or, or, or um commas, full stops, things like that in this. And you can be very granular with the kind of passwords that you want. Or you can turn them into be phrases rather than, you know, passwords, which in some cases are more secure. So for me, I am a happy one password user for everything I just said about self-hosting and being master on Destiny. I don't mind paying the extra money to have somebody who's really good at security look after this stuff. But I think I'm eyes open that, yeah, they can have leaks, you know, LastPass let me down from that point of view many years ago. And I, I you've got to be tentative about that.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think you've you've convinced me. I will try and feedback on this podcast.
1: Perfect. And I like a bit of homework to remind you of down the line a little bit, so that's good. Shall we move on, app of the week? Yeah, I think so. What's your app of the week? My app of the week, I'm going to re-recommend Hidden Bar, which I did, must be getting on for a year ago now. So... I don't know about you, but my Mac has an increasing number of little sort of icons and things up by the clock in the top right-hand corner. Uh, This problem is made worse by the fact my laptop has a notch on it. So as you add them to it, they sort of grow to the left. And everybody, Teams is particularly bad for this. Zoom is bad for this. It sticks things up in the the top right, and I don't like that. So I had been using Bartender, Bartender 4 to be exact, which is a paid-for app that you can hide things with and you've got a number of levels you've got ones i want to see all the time so for example for me i've got my remote desktop connection to work i've got my wi-fi signal strength and i've got my shorter screenshot app always visible i'll hide everything else where i could click the, the ellipsis and drop down the next level of things so one for example is an appalling app that crashes all the time you don't know if it's syncing or not so you want that uh, in a place one level down so you can see if it's not running or decided it can't sync something because there's a strange character in there or, or it's it's in a bad mood with you. So you can relaunch that or figure out what the problem is. And then icons that you never want to see, like the Zoom one, where you could hide off. Now, Sonoma kind of broke it because it would get a little icon up saying, bartender is recording your screen or bartender is monitoring your screen. It couldn't cope whatever the API change was in Sonoma. And it was annoying me. It wanted me to pay for an upgrade for that. So I thought, I'll go back to Hidden Bar. I'll try it again. It's not as elegant as Bartender, but it don't get any strange warnings with it. It works really well. I'm a big fan of Hidden Bar and it's open source and you can use it. So link in the show notes, Hidden Bar.
0: It looks good. It looks a very nice, clean implementation.
1: Yep, it's good. I'm very pleased with it.
0: Uh, I don't actually have any icons, so it's not something I feel the need for. But I'm not using my Mac every day. It's more of a, a tool I dip in and, and do a few things on. So, uh, now, it looks good. And it's free, so you can't complain.
1: Can't complain. Thing of the week.
0: Uh, so, thing of the week this week is... A really, I was going to use my iPhone for clarity, but I thought, no, I'll pick something different that we haven't discussed in the show. We've talked about the iPhone enough. I love it. It's really nice, but it's a bit frivolous. So actually, I've gone with a podcast I have been listening to. It's called The Really Specific Stories Podcast. And actually, what they've done here is they've gone and interviewed a bunch of podcast hosts. So I picked it up because John Gruber was on it very recently. But then I looked back through the back catalogue. Jason Snell's on there, Stephen Hackett, Mike Hurley, John Siracusa, Marco Arment, Casey List. So a whole bunch of podcast hosts that I listen to have gone on there to discuss how they got into podcasting and their careers and things. Just quite enjoyed it. So I went back and listened to a bunch of the back catalogue. Probably also another reason why I haven't played many games this week, because I can't play a game and listen to spoken audio. So uh, just nice podcast. It's free. Would recommend in your podcast player of choice. Brilliant.
1: I think we can call that a show, Chris. I
0: think mean, we're done. So if anyone wants to get in contact, please contact us at, for Rod at g5maniac at scot. I'm at underscore cjp at social. Or you can drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com.
1: Talk to you next week, Chris. Cheers, Rod.